The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. He's risen. Hallelujah. The gospel lesson for Easter Sunday is from John chapter 20, and it'll also serve as a basis for our sermon this morning. We're going to be focusing in this morning, especially on verses 11 to 16. That's right where Mary Magdalene comes to faith. But we're going to read the whole thing right now. Please stand out of, the, out of respect for the words and works of our resurrected Savior, Jesus. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw Two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, Why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Will you pray with me? 
Spirit of the Most Holy God, break through the veil of tears this morning that we might see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's, there's something here that is stunning, stubborn, surprisingly supernatural. It's not the angels. And I know how strange that sounds because there they sat, one where his head was supposed to be and the other where his feet were supposed to be. They sat there with their otherworldliness, their bright eyes, and their magnificent wings. But it's not the angels that are the most supernatural part of this account. It's not even the resurrected Jesus that's the most surprising. And I know maybe now you're thinking, Pastor, well, you're crazy to say that, but, but consider this. The angels are not surprised that Jesus is alive. They were there to make an announcement. And consider this. Jesus was not surprised at his resurrection either, right? I mean, he's not acting like the guy during March Madness who just hit this improbable and lucky last-second shot. He's not running around telling people, it was touch and go there for a few minutes. <laughs> I didn't know if I could really do it. But look at me. I'm alive. No, Jesus isn't acting like that at all, is he? In fact, what he's doing is he's kind of walking around like it's any other normal day, like he just grabbed a cup of coffee or something like that. And he's going around with a message. And his message sounded something like this. I told you so. Neither the angels nor the resurrection of Jesus is the most stubbornly supernatural part of this story. You know what it is? The stubborn supernatural tears of Mary. And I do mean to say stubborn, supernatural tears because it seems like no one and nothing can actually pierce through this veil of tears. The angels couldn't. The angels could not do it, and they should have been able to do it. I mean, the angels should have stunned her into silence with their burning eyes and their gleaming white clothes and all their otherworldliness. But Mary, this is what she does. She stoops into the tomb. She sees these divine celestial beings, and they ask her a question that was not meant to get a response. It was rhetorical. Why are you crying? And stunningly, She's got an answer. This is what she says to the angels, who only moments before had stunned other women into silence. She says, 
let me answer that one for you. And she gets out her bat and she hits a home run. Let me tell you why I'm crying. Jesus is dead. They've taken his body away and I don't know where it is. And then she turned away. As if she had just not had a conversation with two divine beings in the middle of a cemetery. That's stunning. Isn't it? I mean... Did her brain not sort of understand the glow coming off the angels? Apparently not. And then, and then it was Jesus to take, to take his turn to try to pierce through the veil of tears. And so he presents himself, he presents himself to Mary. Now, think about this. This was the moment that doubting Thomas wanted to see. All he wanted to do was to see Jesus, to see the holes in his hands, to see the holes in his feet, the cut in his side, and then he said, if I just see him, then I will believe. But here, imagine this, Jesus is presenting himself with all of those holes to Mary, and what does Mary do? She can't see him. Not through the veil of tears. She looks at him, and all she can see is a gardener. Someone only capable of moving dead bodies around. And that, that is stunning. Those tears of unbelief are absolutely stubborn. We are here today, we are here today to be presented with a historical fact. On the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And To deny that fact is like denying that the Titanic sunk. To deny that fact is like like denying that the United States dropped the bomb on Hiroshima. I mean, this is something that has been witnessed and chronicled. Jesus is alive. But look, none of that is a surprise to you here today. In fact, you came here to hear that, right? You came here knowing that I was going to tell you that Jesus is alive. You you didn't come here, although the breakfast is going to be wonderful and good, you probably didn't come here because of the food. And although John is a wonderful piano player, you probably didn't come for the music. And and God knows that you didn't come for the architecture here. You came here to stand before a historical fact that Jesus bodily did rise from the dead. But oh, is our unbelief deep and wide. Can it pierce through our tears even into those dark and shadowy corners of our hearts where we still wonder and think and cry. 
You know, a couple of weeks ago, if you have a parent in, in New York City schools, parents throughout the city got their offer letters to the different schools. You know that's right? About two weeks ago now. And we were one of those parents, you know, that, that stays up past midnight so we can get our application in before all of you guys did, you know? Because we really wanted to get Brooke into PS166. We love that school. And then we got our offer letter. We thought, oh, she's going to get in. Her sister's there. She's got preference, everything else. We stayed up past midnight, and we got the letter in, and it said, Brooke didn't get in. And, and I'd be lying if there wasn't tears, and we thought, well, what are we going to do now? Call you? Yeah. Stubborn, persistent tears, right? That's what we're talking about this morning. What are we going to do? And this is where Jesus steps in. This is where Jesus steps in, and this is what He says to Mary. It's the same questions of the angels, so it's got to be an important question for us on Easter Sunday. It's the same question He says, why are you crying? And, and that question is meant to be a joyful question because there was no reason to cry because there, there, Jesus' body, well, it's not there anymore. He's alive. And then, and then he follows that up immediately with a second question. And it's a question that's meant to stretch us. It's a question that's meant to broaden our expectations for God, our messianic expectations God. And so what he says is this, who is it that you're looking for? And again, that's not meant to get an answer. It's a rhetorical question. Who is it that you're looking for, Mary? Are you looking for Jesus? Mary, are you looking for Jesus who found you? Possessed, not by five, not by six, but by seven demons? Is that who you're looking for? Are you, are you looking for Jesus who, who drove out those seven demons like they were seven little bunny rabbits on Easter? So easy it was for him. Mary, are you looking for Jesus who walked on water? Are you looking for Jesus who fed the 5,000? Are you looking for Jesus who spread out his hands and clung to those nails in greatest love for us. Are you looking for him? Are you looking for Jesus who has risen? See? But Mary, Mary hears these questions. Why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And she's got an answer again. Oh man, did she have an answer? I, actually, she doesn't even bother to answer Jesus' questions, does, he? does she? She just said, are you the gardener? Just tell me where his body is. And somehow, I'll pick it up and move it. So this is where everything gets really serious. This is it. This is the moment where Jesus said, I've had enough. I'm going to break through this veil of tears. And so this is what she does. he does. As she is turning away, Jesus reaches out his hand, puts it on her shoulder, and looks her in the eye, 
And with a mixture of rebuke and great love, he says to her, Mary. And that, that, that is the moment that Easter began to dawn on her. And spring came. And she thought, well, how in the world does this gardener know my name? Who is this guy who knows me even though I've never seen him before in my life? And then she thought, oh my goodness. And she saw the hands. And you know what she did next? She took a nosedive. I mean, she was, she was on the floor and she grasps Jesus' feet, his pierced feet, and she holds on for dear life and she says, Rabboni, which is Aramaic, means teacher. Because he had just taught her that he's alive. You know, it's Easter Sunday today. And there's one thing that I want to do to you and with you this morning, and it's this. Let me put my hand on your metaphorical shoulder. Turn you back towards me and name you in God's presence. Elaine. Joaquin. Ava, there's Tara, Vivian's coming in right now, Michael, people of God, <laughs> what did you come here with carrying, why are you crying, what are you looking for here today? Who is it that you are looking for? Let me tell you, you are looking for Jesus. And He is not in the tomb. He is alive. And this Jesus, who rose again, is sitting on His throne, and He rules there forever and ever and ever. Amen. Can I get an amen? You know, it didn't even take that long. I know it doesn't always end this way, but it didn't take even a week and we got a phone call from PS166. Brooks just got a pass a test. I think she can. We don't know if she'll get into school. We don't know. We still don't know. But this I do know. He has risen... And I can't remember why I was so worried anymore. Can you? Amen. <laughs>